Hollywood is obsessed. Sure, we often think of obsessions like sex, violence, gigantic robots, and, of course, epic battles between good and evil. But another obsession of Hollywood is vampires. You have to admit, though, there's a lot to love about vampires. Immortality, wealth, power, and superhuman abilities such as flight and strength. Yes, they come with trade-offs, such as incredibly bad sunburns, but every movie I've seen, and I've seen a lot, believe me, tends to show vampires that are fairly happy with their lot in life. My exposure to the world of vampires happened in the late 1990s when I was in college. A friend recommended the Anne Rice novel Interview with the Vampire. I devoured that and many of the sequels. They're fun reads, and they certainly set the tone for a decade or more of vampire-centered entertainment. I won't touch on the vampires of the Twilight series, mostly because I haven't read any of the books. But I will say this. Those books, however lambasted they have been by critics, have shown that popular culture's love of all things vampire is as undying as the creatures themselves. Vampires in History When most people think of vampires, they envision something that is a purely European creature— a foreign accent, Victorian-era dress, and dark manor homes and castles. It's a common visual language for most of the Western world, so I don't blame movies and books for portraying that image. But it's one small facet of a legend that has hundreds of expressions. The single most prominent historical figure attached to the modern notion of vampirism is, of course, Vlad III of Wallachia, otherwise known as Vlad the Impaler. Vlad ruled the small Eastern European kingdom of Wallachia from 1456 to 1462. He was known as Vlad the Impaler because he preferred to execute his enemies by impaling them on stakes. The Ottomans called him Lord Impaler after entering his kingdom and finding forests of impaled victims. Vlad was a violent guy, you see. Rather bloodthirsty, you might say. He, like his father before him, belonged to something known as the Order of the Dragon, a group established to protect Christian Europe from the invading Ottoman Empire. Vlad's father, Vlad II, was known as Vlad Dracul, or Vlad the Dragon. When Vlad III rose to power, he took the hereditary title and was known as Vlad Draculea, son of the dragon. That name might sound very similar to the most famous vampire story in the world, and that's because Bram Stoker, when creating his famous Creature of the Night, used Vlad III as his inspiration. Well, part of it, but we'll get into that more later. The roots of most vampire stories, however, can be traced back to superstitions founded in ancient cultures all across the world. Western Europe played host to countless stories of reanimated dead known as revenants. These were animated corpses that climbed out of the grave to torment the living. The word revenant comes from the Latin that means to come back. Come back to do what, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you did. At first, it was just to terrorize the living, but as the centuries passed, the legend became more specific. Revenants were said to return from the grave to torment their living relatives and neighbors. What was key, though, was that revenants were specific people, not anonymous zombies like the ones from our modern horror genre. These things had a past and a purpose. 
In Norse mythology, we can find tales of creatures known as dragur, again walkers, who would return from the grave and wreak havoc on the living. These creatures possessed superhuman strength, smelled of decay, and were pretty ugly in appearance. They could enter the dreams of the living, and they were said to leave a tangible object near the sleeping person so that, upon waking, their victims would know their dreams were more real than they feared. Let's go back earlier than the Middle Ages, though. The legends of some ancient cultures spoke of creatures that, while not immediately similar to the vampires we know today, nonetheless shared many core characteristics. First, we have the Greek myth of Empusa, who was a daughter of Hecate. Empusa was said to lure young men at night and then feast on their blood before moving on to the main course, their flesh. Another Greek tale involves Lamia, a mistress of Zeus who becomes cursed by Zeus's wife, Hera, and doomed to hunt children, devouring them. Stories of undead creatures, or creatures that feed on the blood of the living, seem nearly as common as written language itself. On Madagascar, an island nation off the east coast of Africa, there are legends of a creature known as the Ramanga, which is known to attack nobles, drinking their blood and eating their nail clippings. Yeah, their nail clippings. Deal with it. <laughs> 